0: Right now, the Green Bay Packers offense, for as good as it looked at times the last two weeks, is like a basketball team relying on mid-range jump shots. There are easier ways to score, even if it's worked for a lot of the season. Plus, what's going on with this defense? Our pal Lily Zhao joins us for a week three edition of Zhao You Doin'. Let's get it.
1: You are locked on Packers. Daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
0: day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepickscom slash locked on NFL and use the code all lowercase locked on NFL for that first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Lily Zhao on the show today to talk about Packers Falcons, where this defense is right now, where the Jordan Love experience is headed And what to make of the matchup between the Packers and the Saints. Ross Jackson on the show tomorrow for our crossover Thursday. And then, as I said, trying to get a big-time guest um, on Friday. Hopefully, we are able to make the schedules work on that. Before we get to Lily, this Packers offense, after week one, I just... at the risk of trying to rain on everyone's parade, I, I said, like, let's just flag it. Third downs, they were awesome. That's not sustainable offense. They have to get better on early downs. Week two, they did. They got better on early downs. Much better, in fact, on early downs. But then at the end of the game, they had some issues. And I went back and watched those last... Couple drives. And to be fair to this passing offense, because that's what we're going to focus on here. First, you have the lead that you're trying to hold. And it's a real lead. (laughs) You have a, a full one score lead. And they didn't need to throw the ball. And so they didn't. You have the... The one play where I think Jonathan Vilma does a disservice to Jordan Love and says, oh, he's got Romeo Dobbs wide open. He didn't. Uh, It's a two-man route combination. They tried to go play action. They tried to throw the haymaker. And the Falcons just really, really uh, were well-schooled. Well-schooled all night. And or all day. I guess it was a day game, but it's a dome. So it totally screws with my, my perception of time. And that led me to go, okay, what is, what is the problem with the must-pass situations in this offense? Because on early downs, hey, you can get in your bag, play action, first down, play action, strike. You've got Dontavian Wicks, bang. That's, that's good offense. But when the defense knows you're going to pass, what can you get to? And Jordan Love talked about after the game, just needing to get a first down. And the first the first play that they tried to run was quick game. No one's open. And then they tried to push the ball down the field. You have the fourth down throw, which is an absolutely unbelievable. Like I, if that's not a big time throw, Pro Football Focus, I don't know what is. The throw to Samori Toure that he could not hold on to is an unbelievable throw. I mean, I, I tweeted out the the X. I don't know. I tweeted out the the backside. Shot of this. And honestly, both end zone angles are preposterous. It's a ridiculous throw. But what I found going back and looking at the plays and then the data, I love it. When a plan comes together, the data and the tape match up. Um, There is just nothing underneath and they cannot get the deep shots to work. So last year, before Christian Watson got hot, This offense was all quick game. It was one and three-step drops. It was some play action, but nothing, you know, no seven-step comebacks, no hard play action into the deep post. No, it was transition goes on the outside if you're going to throw the ball down the field. And otherwise, it's RPOs, it's screens, it's slants. It was layups and threes. Every day, as we remember, we have been talking about this with the Matt LaFleur offense, layups and threes. The Matt LaFleur Aaron Rodgers offense. Well, so far this year, it's been all mid-range jumpers. It's been all mid-range jumpers. And they, they were going in. But then when they needed them to go in, all of a sudden you can test them a little bit more and those shots are hard. There's a reason in the NBA they've gone toward, let's get layups. Those are easier shots to make. Let's get free throws, no defense. And let's make threes because three is worth more than two. So the big play opportunities, they're one for seven on throws 20 or more yards down the field. The one completion is to Luke Musgrave on what is essentially a trick play. I mean, it's not, but Jordan Love dropped the ball. So it was almost like the old play, Where the, you know, you have a tight end. Actually, literally, I ran this in middle school. Fall down. I caught multiple touchdowns on this. I played tight end in seventh grade. Um, And it was not real offense. Leak, I mean, it is, of course, a real call. And I've been asking the Packers to call it once a week for, you know, time immemorial, seemingly. But it is a gadget play in a lot of ways. That's a Christian Watson thing. You can help. And he can help on the short throws because he's the only guy on this team that can take a five-yard throw and make it a 50-yard throw. We t- I, t- I wrote about this today for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Christian Watson is going to help. But you don't actually even need Christian Watson because Matt LaFleur is just that good at scheming guys open. The Packers lead the league in plays where their offense was perfectly covered, which is to say the fewest, the least amount of times the Packers players have faced perfect coverage. Every other team has faced perfect coverage more often than Green Bay. Matt LaFleur has always been in the top five in open receiver percentage since he has been calling this offense. It has not just been Devontae Adams. It has not just been Aaron Rodgers. They were last year and they are again this year with Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks and a banged up Romeo Dobbs and Malik Heath out there running routes. So we know Matt Lafleur can scheme the crap out of some offense. You got to scheme up some lamps, some underneath throws, some short throws, like the quick game touchdown to Jaden Reed. Yes, that's a low red zone special, but where was just the out route in that two minute? Move the pocket, just get a completion, get five yards, and get things moving. They wanted to attack the middle of the field. And the Packers were great attacking the middle of the field in week one. They were again effective attacking the middle of the field in week two. And in fact, in terms of the biggest change this offense has seen, we predicted it on this show, the middle of the field is the place. Packers have the second most attempts to the middle of the field. Relative to everywhere else that they throw, Kyle Shanahan is the only coach calling more and Sean McVay is right behind Matt LaFleur. It's those three guys. Pretty good. Pretty good company. But everything is in the intermediate part of the field. They can't get anything down the field and they do not have a player who majors in that underneath zero to 10 kind of space. They need to find more ways to get outlets into these concepts. They need to get Jordan Love to say, okay, I don't need to make a perfect throw and read out this concept perfectly. Sometimes maybe just let's get a completion. And I think the longer he stays in this offense, the more comfortable he can be doing that. That's going to take some time. And and I think that is something that we need to understand. So this is not, not not a bug right now. Truly, because the offense has been fine. They scored 31 points in week one and 24 points in week two without Christian Watson and without Aaron Jones for a game and a half. And then without David Bakhtiari and without Elton Jenkins for a half. So the offense isn't broken by any means, but the fact that they can do this and there's so much more meat on this bone, I think speaks to the upside of where this team can get to there are still easy buttons for them to press. And that is really exciting when you try to project where this team can get to. We're going to talk to our pal Lily Zhao for a Zhao You Doin' Wednesday in a second here on Locked on Packers. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are a guaranteed fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. Chiefs second year running back Isaiah Pacheco hasn't delivered much to his fantasy football managers yet this season. But be sure to roll them out For plenty of production on the ground, cleaning up against a bad Bears defense, Pacheco should break some chunk runs with an excellent shot to score to provide punctuation in a home blowout. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same thing with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LEDs, headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. Thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show, Crossover Thursday. Ross Jackson locked on Saints. Already getting a little chirpy on Twitter. I love it. My guy Ross. Let's do this. First, the Packers lost the Arthur Smith revenge game. Not really revenge, but we got a Padawan master situation coming up. Now it's maybe the Taysom Hill revenge game. Who knows? Packer Saints in week three. Lily Zhao joins me from Fox 6 in Milwaukee for another edition. Our first losing edition of how you doing Lily? how you doing
1: Peter doing well uh you know intrigued to see how this young team bounces back in their home opener I think it's a good thing that they are opening at Lambeau Field fun environment it's going to be a, a good game but I am doing well I'm doing better better than the weather in Wisconsin right now <laughs> um how you doing
0: I'm I'm good I always feel like there is more for me to want to talk about after a loss than a win except in the case of beating the brakes off the Chicago Bears like that yeah. was really fun to talk about for a week but when the like the Packers win a game 24 to 16 and it's just sort of like yeah they won and here's a couple things no when you lose in in kind of heartbreaking fashion i think a 12 point fourth quarter lead qualifies as heartbreaking you have to look at what's gone wrong and so let's start with this defense here we saw them in week 1 speaking of beating the brakes off the Chicago Bears One of the reasons they did that is because they beat the crap out of Justin Fields and that offense. And then 411 yards or 400 plus yards, 211 on the ground. Which version of the Packers defense do you think is closer to the one we will see for most of the season?
1: Unfortunately, right now I would say the run defense might be the one we no one loved from last year. I I might say not loved. Um, I will say the pass rush much better. I think that's an improved area for this team. I know that fourth quarter was a different exception, but I think the pass rush is much more potent, but the run defense is still going to be an issue. You had two guys that were just putting their nose. They were just running hard, and it was like five, six, seven yards a pop per run. You can't make a stop. That's going to be an easy formula for teams to beat you. And I, I think they reverted back to last season's self. So I think run defense, not great. Pass rush, much better.
0: Yeah, the, the interesting thing for the Packers, too, and I know that they're not, you know, true blue Super Bowl contenders. I have always been the, like, yeah, but run defense matters less than passing defense, and you want to be able to rush the, rush the passer and defend the pass and all that stuff. But you look at the NFC. If you want to win the NFC, you got to beat the Eagles, who will just run the ball all over you. It happened last year to this defense. Or the 49ers, who we've seen run the ball all over the Packers. So it's just sort of like, okay i, I I'm, I'm agreeing with myself on this, but then you have these things so I, if that is the case what what can this offense do um to, to mitigate that because they're gonna have to score some points in some of these games
1: for sure and, and I think you know the other part of it was that you know when your offense is is six plays and seven yards and they're going three and out mm. I mean you know that's that's a, not a lot of time for this defense to get rest. I understand that it was the fourth quarter but you can't make one stop. And then you have Desmond Ritter, who we didn't think was going to run that much. The man was running and he was doing good. You have that fourth and one pitch to Bijan, who it was just an easy first down conversion for them as well. They could not bring anybody down. But I think the counter to that, like you mentioned, is this Packers offense will have to stay on the field and they will have to put up points, which will allow other teams to have to revert to passing the football. If that's not the case and they can wear down the clock, it's a recipe for a loss for Green Bay because at this point in time, in the last year or so, we have not seen them able being able to stop the run. And again, if the Packers offense can't put enough points on the board, it could be an issue for a lot of games moving forward.
0: Yeah, one thing I, I said over and over in the Aaron Rodgers is awesome years when he's the MVP with Matt LaFleur. It's like the run defense, the best run defense is the Packers offense because they're going to score 30 if you let them every single week. And so if that's not what this offense is, then I think you have to start thinking about making some changes to the way you approach your defensive philosophies. I don't know if the Packers can do that midstream here. Okay. We we've been negative. I think long enough. (laughs) I want to, I want to switch gears here a little bit because the Packers were winning on Sunday for what, like the whole game basically until the very end, like the last minute. And then early, very, very early on. So, It it is something that I think there's plenty of positives to take away here. If you're just going to do top line, I'm trying to be positive, glass half full, what is the thing that you're pointing to?
1: I would say the emergence slash the better chemistry with uh, Jordan Love between Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, and Luke Musgrave. I think that was a very big step that these guys all took together. You know, I, I thought Jordan Love, outside of that fourth quarter, which was tough for everybody on Green Bay, But he played very well. I mean, he was slinging the football. Yeah, he made, you know, didn't have the right cadence for that fourth and one QB sneak later on in the game. But outside of just those those mental errors, I should say, I thought he played a very good game. I think it was like 151 yards, three touchdowns in three quarters of football. Had they maintained that we could be talking about a win here. But I thought his level of play, his composure, uh, being able to use his his feet and scramble for 24 yards, but then, you know, just his chemistry with those young receivers without Aaron Jones, without Christian Watson, um, and only getting sacked once. So kudos to that offensive line. I thought that was a positive that I saw from this Packers team.
0: Deep side, because we have to talk about this offensive line, David Bakhtiari. And I think this, we talked about it on our show last week about like, I wonder if he's going to play this week and then he didn't play now that we've seen this and Matt LaFleur seemed pretty snippy about after the game, did not want to talk about it. And then did not want to talk about it again on Monday. What do you make of what's going on right now with David Bakhtiari and this injury recovery that he's going through?
1: Right. I mean, you know, regardless of what's being said in house, Matt LaFleur is always going to protect his player. If there's protecting, I I would say, uh, I think it'll be very telling moving forward when they do start playing teams on artificial turf. And if that continues, because if his knee is still the issue for artificial turf games, I mean, we can kind of deduce what the common denominator is and, and why he's not playing. But the floor did say there's swelling in the knee. He's not playing. He would not have played had it been at Lambeau Field per se in week two. So, again, I think we can all say whether it's the turf issue, whether it wants to play on grass, but, you know, I think moving forward will be a bigger indication of whether or not we'll see Bakhtiari the whole way or if we'll see him first select grass games.
0: All right, we're going to get back with Lily talking Packers and push ahead to week three here coming up on Locked on Packers. If you haven't tried... Daily fantasy sports yet, or if you're annoyed with the offerings that are out there, or if you just want to try something new, Prize Picks has got you covered. It's the largest independently owned DFS platform in North America, and it is so easy to play. So easy to play. Put together a couple of players and decide if they're going to produce more or less than the statistics picked by Prize Picks. Jordan Love, two passing touchdowns. Okay, is he going to produce more than that? Or is he going to produce less than that? Put Jordan Love together with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Eh, Maybe not the lineup you want to put together, but you could do that. Probably get pretty good odds on it, honestly. And then you can take $10 and win up to $250 in just a few taps. 25X your money in just a few taps. one, One lineup can get you up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use the promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash NFL or use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. And thanks to everyone who makes on Packers their first listen every day, dayers. Go check out what we're doing over at TheLeap.Football. That piece I mentioned today is up for subscribers. Right now, we are there five days a week. Go check out what we're doing and then subtext a great way for you and I to contact, connect directly. We're texting. Pull up on your phone, text, boop, boop, boop. What do you think about this? Here I am. We can talk directly. It is a lot of fun. I, in a way, I, I totally, I am totally sympathetic to his crusade here. And I've said that over and over. Like, I think football should be played on grass. Elton Jenkins even said, I think the injury that he suffered was partially, the result of his foot sticking in the turf grass just gives differently. The question then becomes to the Packers though. What is the future of this player uh, on this team? And if there is no future for this team, what are the alternatives? Because it, it, the, the longer this goes, the more problematic I think it potentially becomes. And certainly next year, the more expensive it becomes. Do you see a scenario where the Packers decide this is just not going to happen. And so we're, we're not going to deal with this in season. We've gone young. He's the oldest player on the team. Let's trade him at the trade deadline for whatever we can get and move forward here. Do you think that's a reasonable thing that could happen?
1: I do. I mean, we were talking about it in our, on our show here. It was the, we, you know, show every Sunday, talk about it on the Fox six sports splits. And that was brought up. And, and we all kind of agreed like this might be his last year in green Bay, And, you know, he's really playing for a contract elsewhere and that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, It's he's still a very, very top tier player. But when you're getting a little bit older, you have an injury history, when it's kind of been time with one franchise, it's just better to move on. And then with the money tied to it, that might just be the logical explanation that we legitimately could see David Bakhtiari. This might be his last season with Green Bay. Not saying it's going to happen, but it could theoretically happen. But if that's going to happen, maybe the upside of all of this is if he's not going to play in select games or again, if his knee is just acting up, he can't physically play. You have these young guys already shuffling along the line to get those reps on the left side to say whether or not he's here next year or, or in the future, we have guys who can step in who and who are ready to take over that spot of a Pro Bowl left tackle. So I think you bring up a good point. I think we'll see where it goes, but um, who knows what the future is with Dave in the, back. the the
0: I, I love the point that you made that this could be the perfect opportunity. If he's not going to play on turf games, it's it's sort of like in the in the NBA where you're doing load management. And so this guy's not going to play on the back-to-back. Well, like last year, the Bucs got to see someone like Marjon Bochamp play a bunch of games that he might not have otherwise played because you're load managing these other guys. And so now you get to see Yash Naiman. You get to see Rasheed Walker for what? Four or five games left. I mean, you've got Detroit. You've got... The Giants at MetLife where David Bakhtiari's buddy got hurt. You've got the Minnesota Vikings um, in that glass house that they built there. And then in Las Vegas, um at their new facility is a turf field. So that's four games right there that you just go, okay, if he's not going to play, now you have these auditions. At some point, though, Lily, I have to start asking, like, what is the best five for this team in 2024? And do you have to start considering saying, well, maybe if Zach Tom is the left tackle of the future, that he should be playing left tackle in some of these games? Like, how do you how do you think they, they should manage the shuffle here
1: yeah, that, that's a great question right I think when you're looking at the left side you have you mentioned Rashid you mentioned Yash you mentioned Zach um <clears throat> those guys and I think Royce Newman came in for Elton Jenkins those guys have all gotten kind of you know their reps on the left side of that line I feel like Zach Tom if again if he's the left tackle of the future put him right there um I still think that Rashid Walker has a good chance at that spot as well and yach i mean the guy's filled in admirably so maybe yeah. he's, he's a solution there um but i think those those number of or those names of those guys would be your quote-unquote left side protectors for jordan love and i think they've done an admirable job i mean one sack one sack against the yeah. falcons who probably were like chopping at the bit saying hey these the left side of the line is is gone and we're gonna attack and they and they couldn't get it done so Big props to them, but I, I would look at those guys potentially on that left side of the line. If it's center, short up, right side, short up, um, that's probably what I would
0: go with. Matt LaFleur did not commit to Royce Newman earlier <laughs> in the week at that left guard spot, although he was the guy that came in. And And I go back to what happened in training camp. It seemed like the, um, the right guard competition that was going on, Sean Ryan was ahead of Royce Newman. I, I don't know if... They put Royce Newman in the game because he's a little bit more experienced, and so on short notice, you trust him more. And then this week, Sean Ryan's going to get those opportunities. If Royce Newman is the guy this week, is that is that something you think will hold long term? Given some of the things that we saw in camp and the 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 uh, the evolution, the growth that we saw from Sean Ryan,
1: certainly. And I think you know, not saying Sean Ryan won't get his reps right. Um, I think he certainly will get time to play and just to prove what he's got. But I, I think with Royce Newman, there have again been growing pains. Had a lot of penalties, a couple of holding calls, um, but again, that's just what comes with being a young player. You're going to learn from it, learn not what you know, learn what not to do. Um, but I think the fact that they stuck him in there for Elton and he held up on his own, there weren't any penalties related to him. It's a good sign for his growth, and, and I think that's impressive. Um, because then, where do you, where else can you plug in Sean Ryan? I think having that versatility along the line is super important and super valuable for this team. So. You know, whether or not Royce is that guy for the future, we'll see. But I think Sean Ryan, just that competition as a whole,
0: is also healthy. How does Christian Watson impact this offense when and if he can come back?
1: Oh, man. It's going to be not night and day, but kind of night and day and just the ability (laughs) to stretch out the field. Like dawn and dusk, maybe. Dawn and dusk. But it's, you know, I know, you know, there were two long shots that resulted in defensive pass interference against the Falcons that racked up a bunch of yards. Yeah. Maybe that's completed with Christian. Maybe that's kind of how you stretch out a defense to keep him honest. Because at the end of the day, if Aaron Jones can't go and you're stacking the box, Packers offense really isn't going to go anywhere. I-, I think he just brings another dimension to this offense. And you have Jaden Reed, who's doing his thing. And you have Wicks, who's getting more comfortable. And then, of course, Romeo Dobbs, who's been, you know, really good as well. I think just his addition brings just the possibility of a lot more looks and plays Um, that we could see. And I I think we're all kind of waiting for it, right? We're like, what's it going to look like finally with Christian healthy? I don't know when that's going to be, but you'd have to hopefully think soon.
0: Yeah, and it it just seems to me, this is something I talk about a lot, the geometry of this offense fits a little bit better with him. And it's not just the ability to stretch the field, it's the ability to, we saw this in the Bengals joint practices, a three-yard pass becomes a 30-yard play when you have Christian Watson. That's just an element that, these other receivers don't bring you. And when you miss that, I think that's a big problem. Okay, let's change gears here. Week three, uh, we we got a chance to see the Saints, the Panthers, Monday night football. It's it's rare that you get to see a team back-to-back weeks where they just played the same opponent. The Falcons in week one, they play the Panthers. The Saints in week two, they play the Panthers. And so you get to compare apples to apples. It's even the same defense, Lily, because Ryan Nielsen in Atlanta comes from Dennis Allen in New Orleans. What did you think of this Saints team and what kind of challenge do you think they present? Because I look at this defense and I go, this, is the, this might be the stiffest test they face all season.
1: I agree. I, I agree. I think it'll be a very tough test. I think the one thing that might be in Green Bay's favor is A, it's at home. It's their home opener. Guys are going to be juiced. The crowd's going to be excited. On grass. On, on grass. On grass. Um, and of course, the Saints are coming in on a short week. So that is a little added advantage for Green Bay. But this will be the stiffest test that Jordan will face. I mean, those guys will get after him. This offensive line will have to play very well. But number one, like and they've done the first two weeks, protect that football because the Saints are coming and they're not going to be uh, relenting or dropping any would be interceptions, which we're hoping there are none, no opportunities in that department. Um, I think this will be a very stiff test. I, I think, you know, then you have Derek Carr on the other end with Chris Olave. We've seen him carve up the Badgers, uh, you know, in, in college. So we're hoping that doesn't happen in the secondary. But this will be a tough game, though, Peter. But I, I'm still picking the Packers to win this one.
0: They are favored right now. And, in fact, they were favored. The opening line favored them with our friends on FanDuel. They were one-and-a-half-point favorites. Then Monday Night Football happened, and they became two-point favorites. So that tells you what the betting markets think mm-hmm. of the Saints uh, pre and post that monday night performance and i said it like uh, and we'll end on this the saints offense looks like hot garbage so far it it is a couple deep shots and that's it um so far and that was week 1 the same thing they they sealed the game on a deep shot to Rashin Saheed last week i guess monday it was um chris olave a couple times if this defense doesn't perform this week, I think you're going to start to hear the pressure, even in a season where they're not expected to be Super Bowl contenders. That pressure on Joe Barry, all of a sudden, I mean, it, it goes up a whole other notch.
1: I agree. I, and I feel like there were, kind of was a narrative with this Packers defense last year where it was kind of expected, stop these guys, you'll win the game. You know, stop the run game for Atlanta, get after Ritter, you'll win the game. Affect Derek Carr, and their offense who can't really do much. I think Jabal Williams was also injured in that game. Um, Affect him, and they're not going to be able to do much. But I feel like in the past, the Packers know, hey, this is the key for us, and they just can't do it. So granted, it's the pass rush. I think it's much better. I think they'll affect his ability to play clean football. I think they'll make a pick or two, potentially. But like you said, if they can't kind of show out at home and and, and have a good game, this could there could be a lot of noise, you know, and a lot of questions from Matt Lafleur post game.
0: All right, I uh, I can't wait because Matt Lafleur has has been a little ornery, and I, I love ornery Matt Lafleur. It was great to see him this week. A little pissed off, like he seems he seems a little re-energized here, um, and and that's an exciting thing to see too, Lily. Can't wait to talk next week. Thanks, Peter. All right, thanks to Lily for joining the show. Great to talk to her. Uh, it is. Every week, I swear she makes a point where I'm just like, "Oh, wow, that's a really, really good point." I hadn't thought about it that way, so that's why she comes back. That's why we love having her uh, back tomorrow. Crossover Thursday as we get ready for Week Three, the home opener, Lambeau Field, which means presumably David Bakhtiari is going to do the thing. We'll see. I don't want to. I don't want to put the car before the horse, but. We'll see. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. The number one Packers podcast on the internet. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live on our YouTube page, you can go to that and subscribe. Have some fun. Let's do it. We're going to be Sunday live so you can stay Locked on Packers.